This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio at ASTE 2023. Good to have you here back. Uh, we're sponsored by Dorman this year. So happy to have Dorman Training, brand new division of Dorman uh, on staff and great partner to us in the Aftermarket Weekly Show. So I was thinking, uh, I really would love to own a Tesla. And I was saying, God, who could I go to for any advice on getting a Tesla? <laughs> and so, of course, my friend Seth Thorson is here. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. Not too you, bad. You are our guy. I mean, <laughs> LMV Bavarian, the training company. Blame Justin. I will blame Justin. Uh, in fact, we found out, I was trying to get, get through to, to Seth and we were talking to Justin. He says, I'm his handler. So, uh, <laughs> he, he says, you got to go through me. <laughs> Remember, if you're in your living in the service aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening and we'll bring you the latest from Apex 2024. Save the date, November 5th through the 7th, 2024. Hey, let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. And Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Find Napa Tracks on the web at napatracs.com. Most recently, there's been a little buzz in my little cycle about Teslas and, and where we're headed within and what's OE doing and the tooling and the cool stuff you're working on and all that you know. So I said, hey, could you come in? And you just got done with a training class. Yep. Can you come in and do an update on Tesla? So I'm going to sit here just begging to learn neat new stuff, what training is available out there, what kind of work are you doing in the shops for Tesla owners, what's the connectivity to get parts, all this stuff, I think, as it's the number one EV, I believe, in, in the U.S. Number one in the U.S., yep. Number one in the U.S. Well, number one in a lot of the world. Right? A lot of the world. There are vehicles that the their customers replace from an ICE engine, and how can we keep a revenue flow going and tell the customers, hey, we can work on that vehicle. And for sure, Seth Thorson is a avenue for you for the training piece and you know all the great stuff that you know about uh, how to consult with people. So let's start talking, man. Uh, yeah. What should we know? Well, I mean, Teslas are coming to the market. Obviously, parts are now available. There's been some misconceptions of what's available. You can sign up with tesla.epc.com and you sign up as a body shop and you can certainly get any of the parts you need for those vehicles. All of those things are available. So you can go ahead and order. You just have to sign up with an account. Now, they've been denying some accounts. If that's happening, there's an appeal process. We should be able to get through that. Process. Why would they deny they don't really have a mechanical division, so they don't see you have a spray booth or paint booth and they're denying it. But the contact I have at Tesla is saying, well, we shouldn't be doing that and they're going to allow them through. Unfortunately, there is no trade discount for the aftermarket. So you are still paying the same price as the customer. That is a process we're trying to work through, but currently we don't have a way to work through that right now. What kind of margin are you putting on the part that the customer can pay the same for? So the problem is right now, we're just trying to capture market share at my shop. So we're charging the same price for the part. We're making it up a little bit in the labor, but there are more aftermarket parts coming. Dorman's making control arms, one of your sponsors. Lester's making control arms. He's yeah. working on some drivetrain kits. Yeah. Gates is making aftermarket four-way water valves and things like that. So a lot of the common failure stuff, we're starting to see aftermarket parts that we can make a good margin of. So there's some stuff we're probably not right now. Some guys are trying to mark it up, but Tesla owners generally know what Tesla charges, especially the first owners. You know, we're not making money on some of it right now. And I'm pretty honest about that. But my goal is to get market share and to be able to get enough of that market that I'm the number one go-to in the area. And I feel that we will eventually make in ways with Tesla to get discounts 
and that more aftermarket support will keep coming and we'll be able to make margins. Do you have a specific labor rate for Tesla? We don't. We charge them the same labor rate we normally do. Tesla generally runs a pretty low market rate, labor rate. They don't believe on making money on service. So it's not like sky high dealership rates. Ah. You're competing against, you know, somebody who doesn't really feel that they need to make money in service. That's their what do you philosophy. Think, what do you know that their rate is in Minneapolis? Uh, their rate in Minneapolis is 195 right now. Okay. And you're probably close to that. Yeah, we're pretty close to that. Okay. We're 10, 1500, depending on what we're doing. I think Napa has a program. I do know they have a program called Next Drive and they're doing all kinds of stuff with EVs. I know they're improving and increasing stuff in training and, and all kinds of parts and charging stations and all that neat stuff. I guess the word is don't be afraid to work on a Tesla because there's a whole bunch of things like tires. Have I recently heard that they, the tires for EVs are completely new and different and you've got to be sure you're telling your tire supplier that this is going on on EV? Uh, the load range might be a little different. The difference becomes you can get low noise tires or low resistance rolling tires to help increase range in the vehicle. Some of them have foam for noise reduction, but reality is you could put any load rated and speed rated tire on the car that you choose. And people certainly do. My car, I run Pilot Super Sports, which are nowhere near EV specific tires, but I want the thing to hook up because it's fun. You know, a while back, you were telling me some strange stuff. Like I, I, I took a board out of a Tesla and we try, we're trying to figure out. And then all yeah, of a that's sudden, all recalled now. So that's no funny. Yeah, yeah I, I bet you it isn't because I, I was so worried about all of a sudden it gets updated. And yeah, well, the way we were doing it, you could update the car still. It didn't change that. But you're out of that thing. Yeah, because they're all recalled. So if the Tegra goes bad, it's recalled. A lot of people are upgrading to what we call MCU2 cars, which is the next generation. And so Tesla's doing upgrade pass on those. What does MCU mean? Multimedia control unit. That's the center display, the big computer, the main computer. I thought they all had that. Yeah, that's so you can go from MCU 1 to MCU 2. Ah, okay. Which then, like if you're an MCU 1, the cluster and the MCU are two different control computers. MCU 2, everything's there and the cluster is now a slave unit. And then you get, you know, people get a lot of features, right? They get new games they can play in their car. They get Netflix. They get Hulu if they upgrade the MCU 2. Do they have a hands-off feature? They have what they call early cars have AP1, then you have AP2, and then you have full self-drive. Have you ever driven the car in AP2? I've driven AP1 cars, AP2 cars. I've driven FSD cars that drive the car by themselves effectively. They still have to keep your eye on the steering wheel and look forward. Would you trust yourself with your family in that? Yeah. I mean, we drive it with my family. and you're gonna, about, But you, you can intervene at any point. You know you have to pay attention. You got to pay attention. You can't be playing a video game. No, they I mean, wouldn't let you with the cars going 60 miles an hour. They let you watch a no, movie or video no, game? they yeah. have a camera. And if it doesn't see your eyes move or if you look away for a couple seconds, it dings and tries to turn it off and it can put you in what, you know, what enthusiasts call autopilot jail where you can't use it again until you shut the car off and park it. So they call it <laughs> autopilot jail. But I love it. You know, it disables it till the next turnaround. And if you get disabled with the full self-drive, I think five times they remove it for a week and a half before they even allow you to use it again. So what was your class like here today? And what was the That's pretty good. So I did, this morning I did a class on Tesla Toolbox and how to use Toolbox, diagnostic, how to, and that the car is the computer, you know, and we talked a little bit about reframing your brain of not thinking of your normal scan tool because the car is the scan tool. So that was Tesla Toolbox this morning. In the afternoon, we did Tesla Drivetrain Theory and Diagnostic, as well as Rebuilding, because the Tesla large drive units are having bearing failures. So we're tearing down and teaching people how to rebuild them, because Tesla will only sell you a new unit. 
And so we're teaching people how to reman and replace and rebuild the drive unit and deal with some common isolation faults that happen in the drive unit. And most of those parts are available, right? Tesla doesn't sell any internal parts. Those parts are being sourced externally. Right. And so I have a source and we got them in, but we're working on some U.S. manufacturers to produce the rebuild kits for the differential. That's where it's going to be, right? I mean, the the Mm -hmm. typical aftermarket suppliers are just going to, like you said, gates. They're going to make in four-way valves, three-way valves. What kind of cooling system is on that vehicle? So the cooling system runs about 185 degrees, peak temp. And it's, there's water pumps on it. There's radiators, there's louvers, there's shutter valves, and that's active cooling for the battery, the drive motors, inverters, things like that. So they're all running coolant. It's BMW or Mercedes blue coolant. And yeah, they're, you know, you got cooling systems, you got drivetrain fluids, you got oil, you got filters. I was chatting with someone the other day about EV cooling systems and someone was prognosticating that they're going to be more like industrial. HVAC units someday. And they said, be careful because the people on the corners that do HVAC for buildings and stuff will be able to work on EVs. Do you hear anything like that? So the cooling system for the, what we would typically call engine coolant, right? We have glycol-based cooling systems. Then we have our HVAC cooling systems, which are now heat pumps, basically inverter style heat pumps. I mean, I have a heat pump that heats and cools my house as well. The house switches over at 10 degrees switches over to propane at my house because it, the heat pumps aren't effective. Tesla uses octavalves and super manifolds to make their systems produce heat well below zero degrees. It's a lot more stress, but they don't have a dual heat system like your house. So, I mean, I have a heat pump system in my home now. And so, yes, I mean, HVAC companies, it's relatively new to HVAC companies and they're not 100% sure when they put my heat pump in, they had problems. They've been out there three times trying to dial it and fix it and they're calling tech support and So I don't know that the HVAC companies are necessarily going to be any more prepared to deal with the new heat pumps because it's pumping the refrigerant and pumping the heat through the condenser to heat the car and and reverse looping things. That's what I... And so I don't know that the HVAC companies are going to be any more prepared because they're still learning as they put heat pumps in cars, they're still learning. Now, maybe they'll roll out more heat pumps in homes and get a upstart on us on it. But I think techs are going to soon start to figure out how these systems work. So glad to hear that. Equipment. Can we do any kind of analysis, equipment scoping uh, on yeah. Tesla's? Yeah, I mean, toolbox is currently available, but as I taught in class, the car is the scan tool. So once you put in service mode, the tool is just a command prompt, right? We're just telling the car what we want it to do. So like I forcefully almost killed the MCU today in class, right? The multimedia was, screen was blank and everybody's like, ah, to bring it back alive, you go in toolbox and you send a command and you send a command that says ping underscore bash display, which is ping the display. Bash means forcefully keep sending the command until display turns on. And so you're just sending a computer prompt, a command just saying ping display, bash it, keep bashing it till it comes on and then it turns on and results. And you, and you recovered yourself. And it's, it's not nice. the class would have been shut off. Right? Nah, it's, no, sorry. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> the joys of hands-on, live hands-on. You go, yeah. oh, something went wrong. Oh, well. Are you our industry's quintessential Tesla guy? I mean, as far as trainers go. I'm one of the trainers. There's some other guys training. I know Aaron Jones is here from Opus. Mm-hmm. He was a Tesla master tech. Okay. And so he's teaching some training. I know he did a class Thursday. He's really sharp on that stuff. There are some other guys. There's Chris Jones at Electrified Garage doing a little bit of work. There's a couple trainers out there doing some stuff. I know Carolyn is 
trying to work on a program. I'm not sure where I haven't heard where hers are at. I know she hired a guy. Yeah. I haven't talked to her recently, so I'm not sure where her training yeah. program is at, but yeah. there's probably four or five of us working on stuff in the industry. And I, I've talked to some of these guys, so I don't, you know, there's, we share and talk a little bit here and there, not a ton, but I mean, there's definitely opportunities. If you went to Apex 2023, then you realize the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional shop owner, technician, and service advisor. Joe's Garage is your place to hang out with 10 working bays and real live working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software had their latest and greatest on display and demonstrated for you. You also attended technical and business management training with the industry's best and brightest trainers, coaches, and teachers. Work is underway to make next year's Apex 2024 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your career, sales, and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the service aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening and we'll bring you the latest from Apex 2024. Save the date, November 5th through the 7th, 2024. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napa Tracks was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napa Tracks offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week, and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. You're talking to a shop owner, technicians, service advisors out there. What do you recommend they do as far as to get acclimated to Tesla, to get the conferences like this? Is there any video stuff out there? Yeah, there's some video stuff. There's some classes. I'm working on some webinars. Some of the other trainers are working on stuff. I mean, it's getting yourself acquainted with the basics, right? The class I did last year that was popular, obviously, was dipping your toes in the Tesla, which is just the basics to get your feet into what it is and kind of dip your toe in the water and, you know, get into the brakes, the suspension, get into the tires, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't take anything that you're not familiar with. You're not even touching this, you know, the scary orange wires, as I say. Don't be afraid. I remember sitting in a Caroline class, I think it was a year ago here. I think it was here at ASTE. Her basic message, Karen, Carolyn Cocolette from Shopware and, yep. and her new company. Earthling. She said, just don't be afraid of this. There's so much opportunity. Mm -hmm. She started going to the car. She's pointing at all the things that you could be servicing or selling or looking at inspecting. If anyone First of all, if you've not started to manage or repair hybrids, shame on you. But the evolution of hybrids is the, you know, is the total EV. What's Tesla done to the consumer to give them better range? Is the range going up? The range is going up. I mean, you got cars coming out that are close to 400 miles now. Your average car, your average Tesla EV is 300 minimum almost. And so when you're in up to 400 miles, I tell guys all the time, like, I'm going to go on a road trip. If I charge my car 100% before I leave and say I have 350 miles, and that maybe nets me a real world range of 310 at 70 miles an hour, right? So 310 miles, I stop. After 300 miles of driving, I'm ready for a stop. And by the time I get out, get my kids out, they go get their coffee, go to the bathroom, everything that happens, 
I can add 180 to 200 miles of charge in 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. And so now I drive that next hour and a half to another 150 miles. I'm 400 miles, 500 miles in the day. Like we're probably crashing at a hotel unless we're really trying to get somewhere quick. And then I'm probably flying because driving isn't effective. So then I'm stopping at a hotel. I charge at the hotel overnight. I wake up and have a full tank or full range of, you know, electrons, if you will. And then I do that again. So, I mean, I can drive a thousand miles on less than an hour of stops. And I think the average person is probably going to stop for an hour and a thousand mile drive. You live in Minneapolis. It's cold up there. Yeah. What's, how does well, that affect the 400? I, like I, I can't even say the words <laughs> I'm thinking of here on my show. Because I remember spending a lot of time up there and I said, I'm going to go back to Buffalo where we have snow, but it is not minus 20. What's the difference in the t in your Tesla as far as when it's cold? Sure, out? the early ones with the PTC heaters, what we call the resistive heaters that use the HV battery to heat up the resistive coil to get heat. Okay. Those suffered more. The inverter style heat pumps are way more efficient. So I probably lose on a real cold day, I probably lose 20 or 30% of range. That's not bad. So it's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. Sometimes at all. a little bit more, but if it's, I mean, when it's 25 or 30 below you, you'll notice it. Are you plugging in when you get home? Yeah, I plug in every night when I get home. I was telling somebody, it's, we're growing up in a weird society, right? We're in that transition. My 16-year-old daughter, she's been driving EVs since she's 15 with her permit. So now she's 16. She's had her license for six months, you know, so she's graduated her segmented license as Minnesota does it. So she's driving all over the place. She is probably one of my first kids or one of the first kids that I don't know that she's put gas in a car. She knows how to plug her car in. Tracy's over here cracking up. She doesn't even know what to say. Yeah, what's that nozzle for? <laughs> She's one of those kids that she knows how because she drives snowmobiles and other things, but she really doesn't day-to-day -day go to a gas station. She doesn't day-to-day -day ever fill her car up. She knows she has to plug it in. She knows how to stop at a public charging station. She knows how to fill her car up when she's on a road trip going to volleyball or something. But she may be one of those kids that gas is like, what am I doing? Well, make sure when she does go, she doesn't use a green pump <laughs> and it looks, oh, green is fuel efficient and do that. And it's diesel. <laughs> Someone told us that and we're like, what? No, it it. The nozzle won't fit in. It won't fit in. The nozzle will not fit in. I mean, they figured that out a whole bunch of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was over here cracking up. I said, but that's going to be the reality for some, for the next generation. As we transition this EV stuff, whether you want to or not, I'm probably early adopting of it but I have a lot of EVs because I'm testing all this stuff for training and teaching and, and research and right. all the stuff we're doing. So I'm probably a really early adopter, but you know, there's going to be a future for some of these kids to go, I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like common sense. You have to teach them some way along the line in order to have common sense. You have to learn something first, right? Yeah. Someone, I think it was yesterday that said, have you heard, and I'm not sure if they were talking about Honda or Hyundai, but I think it starts with an H that they've got this new hydrogen car that it takes only four minutes to refuel. It has to go through some give and take testing with the tank and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But when they, this four minute fuel, it's 1500 mile range. Did you hear about that? Yeah, BMW was testing hydrogen since 03. I mean, I think if that was going to be the future, I think we'd see it, but EVs were limited back then. So, you know, that could be something, but I tend to be of the opinion of follow the money and uh -huh. look where the cash is, look at the transportation bills. Look at what's going on in the government. Look at where all the money is being funneled. Look at the federal incentives. Look at everything that's going on. That's where the money is being funneled is EV. And I think that's where we're going and 
you know, Ford's arguing about the transportation bill. They're arguing about if they buy batteries from China is a hundred percent EV. Do they get their EV credit? There's a whole big story on that. I think you're seeing that the manufacturer made so much money in it that there's no real going back. And it doesn't matter if there's a better technology. I tend to go to beta VHS, which you know what I'm talking about. I lived it. Right. Which was the better product? Did the better product win or did the product that got mass adoption yeah. and mass push behind yeah. it win? I think VHS had a much stronger marketing campaign. And Blu-ray versus Laserdisc. Yeah, I know. Really? Think about who it. Who won that? Laserdisc yeah. was a better quality. It was a bigger disc, but it was a better quality product. Yeah. But who won? Blu-ray. I know. So I guess what you're saying is EV all the way, huh? I think that's what's going to happen. I could be wrong. What about e-fuels? Have you studied that at all? A little bit, but that could be a stopgap. Could, could be way out. Could be a stopgap or it could yeah. be retrofitting ICE vehicles to keep them relevant. But I hear you don't have to do anything but put the e-fuel in the yeah. tank. Yeah, I mean, that could be a stopgap. I don't know. I think people are going that way. I, I love the stopgap idea, though. I really do. And if the technology, I mean, I, again, I think everything has to be proven. Everything's going to get bigger, better, smaller, faster, quicker, and cheaper. We know that. Yep. And it's to a point that I'm not sure we have the patience and the chaos that keeps coming at us to figure it out. Well, and some of that is where I was going with Sammy, my daughter, is she doesn't know a different reality than she has to wait 15 or 20 minutes to charge her car. That is the reality of driving. She doesn't understand there was a difference. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I got this great idea, Trace. <laughs> EV chargers when you get your latte at Starbucks. Oh, they have a lot of them now. That's, do you guys have high V's? No. So Hy-Vee's a grocery store. They all have EV chargers. You plug your car in while you're going grocery shopping. You get all the range back when you go grocery shopping. There's a brewery by us that we go to. You plug your car in while you're at the brewery having a beer for a couple hours. You get range. Yeah, you get range. You get range. Where are you going? I'm going to get range and have a latte. You know, opportunity for public charging, that type of stuff is really where on a road trip, right? I stop with my friends. I'm having dinner because I was up camping all weekend, northern Minnesota. By the time I got back, I was three hours. We're stopping at, you know, we planned to stop. There's a really good restaurant. And I told my buddies, I said, hey, let's go to this restaurant because they got a charging station. Because by the time we got done having our burger and beer and everything and talking about our weekend, I had enough range to go home because we stopped at a place that had a charging station. I'm now making buying decisions based on where I can charge my car to continue on my trip. Last year, Tracy and I, I can't remember where we were driving to. And we stopped at a rest stop heading to Pennsylvania, New York. I may... EV, Tesla, Neophyte. I don't know anything about this stuff. And there was a person, a couple, is sitting in their car charging at a charging station. And so after we did our duties and we maybe bought a cup of coffee and came out, I said to Tracy, I said, I'm so curious. I have to go talk to these people. And boy, they're was, probably almost done charging, ready to go. My big takeaway was this. Carm, it's the lifestyle. Tells us where to go, how to get there. We know we got to have a charge was the reason we stopped here. And we planned. You just don't own an EV without planning. Mm -hmm. And this is our lifestyles about this car, where we're going. So we know where we have to stop. We know how much more time we may need mm -hmm. to get where we have to get. And I asked the stupidest question in the entire world. I mean, you talk about being stupid and dumb. And I says, where do you put your credit card in here? <laughs> oh boy. It was an honest to God stupid. I didn't know. And she goes, when you plug in the car, it knows who you are. And it bills you. Some of the other charging stations don't, but there is a standard in the port in the command wire that can transfer VIN data and VIN data can tie to credit card. And so Tesla is one of the few that charges you when you plug in. There's another company called EVgo and you can register your car. So I just plug my truck in when I take my truck. Again, EV truck too, I'm testing. Plug the truck in and it knows my credit card. It bills me and charges my truck. What's the truck? Our Rivian. 
Oh, nice. So what great EV companies are going to survive in the next, say, five years that you see? I think EVs are, since you're building them on a platform and a skateboard platform, and a big part of developing a car is developing that ICE motor. Another big cost is if you don't develop your own motor is buying a motor from somebody. Developing a drive motor and battery technology is really easy right now because you can buy it from somebody. You're going to see some startup companies, and I don't know how many of these major auto manufacturers, as you know now, will survive. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. EV fires, what do you think about that? I mean, that's a risk. I mean, I would say less EVs start on fire than ICE vehicles. When they start on fire, they're a lot harder to put out. But I think that's going to be technology-driven. There's a company called Rose Bauer Trucking out of Wyoming, Minnesota. They make big fire trucks for airports. So those massive trucks you see at all the airports, that's what this company does. And I'm at their place because they built an EV fire truck mm -hmm. that had a BMW motor, Rex motor as a backup. And so they called me in and I'm helping them with service and information on the Rex motor doing the little consulting. And I'm there and touring their plant and they're making all these trucks and it's amazing. And then they're like, hey, do you want to see something cool? And I'm like, sure. And it's now in the public, so I can talk about it. But they have this cart you slide under that they're trying to sell the fire department. Yep. You slide underneath the battery, you pump it up, it pierces the battery, you plug your fire hose in, it floods the battery with right. thousands of gallons of water to neutralize the battery. We did an episode two months ago, maybe, Trace, right? With Donnie Hudson. Donnie, I love him to death. He's a great friend. I think he's the captain, the chief. Yeah. And then Pat was the captain. And he also has a YouTube channel on fires. And so I brought them both together to talk about fires. And they talked about in Europe, they're just picking the car up with a forklift and throwing it in a tank of water mm -hmm. and they're just flooding it. And he did talk about that, that under flooding thing. And I can't remember if it pierced it or not. You know, any consumer that's just afraid to pull the car inside the house? I don't. I mean, there was that whole instance with Chevy's vehicles that they had a bad battery chemistry that was causing problems when they're overcharged. But I mean, you know, let's be honest, everybody was like, oh, you can't park the EV inside or, you know, because they said that, literally said, don't park it inside because of this problem. Well, I remember when I worked at BMW, there was a time we told customers not to park their car inside because we were having the cooling fans supposedly combust and, and start the car on fire and start people's garage on fire. So I tend to believe that there is no 100% safe car that's going to Well, I, I think you're, you're right. I think Hyundai just announced a big recall. And mm -hmm. said, don't park the car in the garage. Yeah. And that's for the icing. Yeah. That's so, I mean, what, you know, stuff so happens. It just, because EVs are new, because they're cutting edge, you're going to get more press when it happens. Yeah. And you're going to get more visceral reactions, whether it be good or bad. I tend to be pretty neutral on it. I like the technology. I like to play with it. I also, I tell all my employees, I tell everybody, it's like, I am the CEO of our company. I am in charge of making sure my company is viable for me, my employees, my family in the future. That future, if it includes EVs, I need to be ready, trained, and yeah. make sure my staff is ready. So it's not that I firmly believe it's better technology. It's not that I, I don't have an iron in the fire, if you will. I just need to prepare my company because that's my job. Seth, are you just a perpetual student curious guy that said, oh, EVs, Tesla, I got to have one. I got to learn about it. What drives you? You know, if it's new and fun, I, I like to play with it and I like to make sure that whatever it is, I'm, I'm ready for it. What's new and fun that you're playing with that has nothing to do with the automotive? Oh, I don't know. I spend way too much time in the automotive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know. Or maybe it was a zero turn lawnmower or yeah. a tractor. <laughs> oh, between the automotive and the kids, it keeps you pretty busy. Cool. Well, good. It was great. Thanks for catching up with us. I know you 
taught all day today. Yeah. You got to be exhausted. I got to teach eight tomorrow. You got to you know, teach eight more tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Your class was full, I'm sure. We limited the class because it was hands-on, but yeah. Because it was, was hands-on. Thanks. Yeah. Seth Thorson, appreciate you being here, man. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Thank you.